Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friend, and welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP. I'm Emily. And I'm Lois. We're so glad that you're here today and tuning in. We'd like to jump into our micro joys for this week. What do you have? What's your micro joy this week, Lois? Um, I think my micro joy this week is the fact that I am in Colorado this week. Nice. And I'm a Colorado for work, but I always love coming out. I love the mountains and um, got to walk around a little bit tonight and see the Garden of the Gods, uh, which is one of my favorite places in the world. So, um, so yeah, that's my micro joy where I am right now. That's incredible. Um, my micro joy is, well, I'm in Nevada, actually. We are, we are so far apart still. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother-in-law is keeping me supplied with all of the dad jokes. He even added me to a dad jokes, Facebook group. So I can, no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to give you one ready. Um, am I ready for a dad joke? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm prepared. What kind of person was Boaz before he got married? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so afraid to ask. What kind of person was Boaz before he got married? Yeah. He was ruthless. <laughs> oh, <that's so> bad. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if anybody yeah. else is going to laugh because it's, it's almost midnight where you're at and, but it's funny to me tonight. That That's funny. That's funny. Maybe I just have the giggles, but I actually have not heard that dad joke. <laughs> yeah. I'll have either. to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. was ruthless. He was ruthless. Yeah. It's legit. <laughs> legit. <laughs> that's funny Mm -hmm. i'll tell your brother-in-law that um that was actually a pretty decent dad joke (laughs) yeah he's he's been on a roll today yeah and then our quote this week is poetic Mm -hmm. i know i read it to you before we hit record it's a little more serious but it is a little bit more serious, but I love it because I think it goes, it's a great segue into what we're talking about today. Yeah. So it's written by Bethany Ricks and it's mm-hmm. titled Beaches. It goes, sometimes it's not rest you need or space or even a heavy cry in your most secret place. Sometimes all you really need is the love found in a friend's tight embrace, a reminder that someone knows exactly what you need just by singing your face and the tone of the words you say. That's good. And, and I love the fact 
that that quote has the word just by knowing the word knowing because mm-hmm. we are going to talk about that a lot today and what right. that really means from scripture yeah it's perfect but before we get into the episode um i'm pretty sure we have some open mic minute moments that's right this week's prompt is what is something that you left behind when you left the IFB, whether a mindset, a belief, or like you said, maybe you burnt your culottes on your way out. (laughs) Yeah. And, and guess what? We didn't get anybody that burnt their culottes. I was like really looking for a campfire with a, a bunch of cotton and polyester culottes thrown in but (laughs) nobody told us that they ceremoniously burned their culottes or their ankle length jean skirt or anything like that no they were they were actually really serious like mindsets and stuff really important stuff yeah but they're good I Mm -hmm. I like I like what we heard and I can't wait for um, all of our listeners to hear. Yeah, let's roll it. Let's do it. I think maybe the freedom to enjoy life without always having to be so stinking judgmental of what everybody else is doing or thinking. Just be and please God. That's all. I stopped worrying about fitting into the box when it came to my appearance. I didn't care if people didn't like that my skirt didn't cover my knees, my anklet, or the height of my heels. It felt so free to finally be authentic and to start living for God instead of pleasing them. I taught my daughter how to respond to judgmental comments about her clothes from women, and that's what helped me make the mental break that I needed to change my life. This one's from Erin. When I left the IFB, I left everything. It was a slow process. It didn't happen immediately. I never once questioned the existence of God. I just became apathetic toward him. I got to the point where if me at my best, following all the rules and standards, wasn't even good enough for God, then I might as well just live the way I want to. I took a very selfish path in life, but God kept pursuing me. I got saved in 2014 and living life through the blood of Jesus and in his grace and love and not through standards, condemnation, and judgment has been more freeing than I could ever imagine and so much more than a selfish sinner like me deserves. And this one's from Bree. One thing I can say that I'm still trying to get out of my system is my view of God as an employer instead of a loving father. Somewhere along the way, my relationship with him became very transactional, and I started to view him as someone to simply work for in order to attain blessings and achieve things that I wanted, which were good things in and of themselves. But I got so far from seeing him as a loving father who who is caring for me and accepting me just where I am, and instead became fearful of not measuring up to his demands on my time, energy, and resources. It's been a slow process, and there is a lot to work through. But I am grateful for him showing his heart of love to me and allowing my own weakness to reveal my flawed theology and overinflated view of myself. Well, guys, we want to thank you for responding to the prompts. And uh, we would love for you to go to our website and have some more things to say about an open mic minute. It's always great to hear where you're at and kind of learn from you guys, too. 
Definitely. And thanks for the um, emails that we've been receiving. Some of you sharing your stories and kind of where you are. And that means a lot to us. And uh, Emily, why don't you tell them our email address to remind them where they can reach out. So go to sisterseeker.com to leave your own response to this upcoming prompt. And then hello at sisterseeker.com is our email. So something that's been on both of our hearts has been Psalm 139. And we just want to go through it and talk about what stands out to each of us. And I'm sure it's going to be a blessing because it is just scripture and it's so comforting from really the heart of our father for us. Yeah. And I will tell you just straight up, Emily, I'm so excited that we're going through Psalm 139 tonight. And obviously we won't be able to hit everything because there is so much to this passage, but When I was in a really, really dark place, a really tough place, a place where I didn't even want to pick up my Bible, on those few days within that huge stretch of months that I did pick up my Bible, the only thing that I could handle reading was Psalm 139. Mm. And it became super precious to me of David's writing. So I'm so glad we're digging into this tonight. Yeah, it's it's just so good. What I did today was just open up my Bible app and put it on repeat. I love listening to the Bible being read. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the season of life I'm in, but it just certain things stand out and it feels like kind of a big picture view. Cause you know how you get distracted listening to something and then he kind of reels you back in. It's interesting to notice what stands out each time through listening to it. Right. And I think when you listen to it in different versions, um, different things are brought to your mind, different things stand out. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's beautiful. I loved listening to Mark, Ward recently on the RFP podcast in this series on um, the different modern translations. I don't think I've ever heard it explained as well intellectually and aesthetically beautifully as Mark Ward did. So it just... um, Tonight, we're going to read this passage. We're going to start out reading the passage because I don't think we can sit here and talk about Psalm 139 if we're not reading it. I know you've been reading um, in one of your new Bibles, the CSB. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so good. Tonight, we're going to read out of the um, ESV, English Standard Version, and... um, So we're going to start out reading Psalm 139. So maybe you um, are near your Bible or your Bible app. And if you want to pop it open and follow along with us, we're just going to take about two and a half, three minutes and read the passage. And then we're going to jump into it. How's that sound? Good deal. You want me to start, Emily, or you want to start? I do not have a preference. (laughs) Nor make a decision. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I'll start. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I am awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love that passage. It's so beautiful. It is. It's beautiful until we get to about verse 19. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, and I get tickled. So I just kind of want to talk about that real quick, and then we'll start back from the beginning. But I get tickled because you've got this beautiful verbiage from David, and he is a true psalmist, and he's just writing his emotions, and he's just talking about how phenomenal God is, and, and we get down here to this, I awake and I'm still with you. And it's something, it's, it's almost like something clicks in his brain. And all of a sudden he has to go into this. He's got to defend God because he's thinking about how phenomenal he is. And then he goes into, why don't you just take these guys out? You know, <laughs> slay the wicked, 
They speak against you. Your enemies take your name in vain. You know, I hate these guys. Right. <laughs> I hate them. And and then he's like, I hate them with a complete hatred and I count them my enemies. And then he gets to verse 23 and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see mm-hmm. if there be any grievous way in me. <laughs> if there is. Like I'm, I'm, I'm praising you. And all of a sudden, man, I get ticked at these guys who are messing with my God. So yeah, I kind of wanted to start there and then we can go back to the beginning. Yeah. Listening to it today, that definitely stands out when amongst the rest of it. And I think it's really fun to note that he can just be real with God. Mm Mm-hmm. But it never says that God is hating the people that he's hating. No, it doesn't. But I get tickled every time I get to that part. And I think I do get tickled because I can totally relate. I can be in just this matter of, you know, just, oh, God is so good. And and he's walked me through so much. And what a phenomenal God. And then I hear something and I'm like, I hear something else and I get distracted and I'm like, man, if these people weren't acting this way, we wouldn't have to be dealing with, why don't you just take them out? Right. (laughs) Sorry. You know, that's just some real talk. It's true though. (laughs) Uh, We get, we get so, um, we get so gracious that we get angry at people who aren't being gracious. (laughs) Uh, So if you go back to the beginning, that very first verse, when he starts talking, he says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. I did a little research on that. And according to some scholars, the word me, the second word me, Lord, you have searched me and known me was not in the original language. Now, Mm -hmm. if somebody finds that that's not true, let me know because I don't want to be sharing something that's not true. But that it was added in the English version so that we could better understand. But really, that word known is the word yauda. It's the most intimate knowledge of someone. And so basically it says, oh, Lord, you have searched and you know, Mm -hmm. like you're saying to a friend, girl, you know, or dude, you know, like, I don't even have to tell you, you know, what's going on. It's Mm -hmm. that kind of knowledge. I think the first thing that stands out to me letting this psalm be a comfort is that it's a blessing that God knows. And I know I've said this about Hagar, but it's not a scary thing that God has searched us. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he knows. He knows the cobwebs inside of my heart. Mm -hmm. He knows my shortcomings and it doesn't seem to face him. Yeah. It doesn't move him away from us. Mm -mm. 
And I love the fact that the word known and every time the word know is in here, it's that most intimate knowledge. And I love that it's Yauda because then later, I don't know if you remember a few years ago or several years ago, you know, we have these different verbiages that we use when we're talking to somebody. And I think like now I hear, you know, I'm like, so true. Cause you and I say that a lot or we'll say, absolutely. Well, years ago, several years ago, it was like, so we, you know, we were talking and I was moving down the street and whatever, yada, yada, yada. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say yada, yada, yada. Well, you're basically saying, you know, you know, you know. So that's Love just that. more of, yeah, that's more of just intimate. And then he says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up. You know, so those first four verses, Emily, it's establishing how much he knows us. And so it's like we're known by him more intimately than anybody else. And then if you jump over to verse um, 18, and the last part of it says, I awake. And I am still with you. Mm. You know, how many times can that be said about as we really get to know somebody or they really, really get to know us in a stronger way? Um, in our humanness, sometimes when we really get to know somebody, then later they're there. They're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Something happens. The relationship is not there. The friendship is not there. Now, granted, sometimes that needs to be the case because, you know, maybe that friendship or relationship is is not a healthy one, so it shouldn't stay there. But God the Father knows us in every way, and he's still there. Right. Mm. So what do you think about that next set of verses that start, you hem me in behind and before me, you lay your hand upon me. And then basically verse six says, it's too wonderful for me. Like if I can just verbal verbalize it this way, it's like, I can't handle this. This is like, it blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. You... <laughs> right. I can't even wrap my mind around it. I think is like how I would say it. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the protection that God has for us and that he's always, he's not just in me and knows me. He's all around me. Mm -hmm. That's so comforting to me that when I start to wander or stray, he's still protecting me and surrounding me and covering me, I guess. Right. Right. So I'm going to ask a tough question. So if in those verses, like verses 5 through 12, that we see, you know, it's very clear that he surrounds us. We can't ever be out of his sight. He even says, if I take the wings in the morning and I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me or lead me. You know, 
if I get in darkness and I'm like, well, surely he can't see me here. Um, even darkness is, is light with him. So here's a tough question. If we're surrounded by him, if he sees us and he knows exactly where we are, which he does, somebody reading this passage that either one is not a believer or two, they've been through such deep sorrow or pain as a believer. How do we explain to them that if I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. You're still there. Mm-hmm. I don't like to rush past this question at all because mm-hmm. I think people have to wrestle with it for themselves. But even if he, you don't feel like he's there, he is there with you in it. And it's not, he didn't put you there, but it makes me remember hills and valleys that Torrin Wells sings on the Mm -hmm. mountain. I will lift my eyes to the one who put me there in the valley. I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. Mm -hmm. God didn't, God didn't put us through this, but he's going to meet us in it anyway. Yeah. Because this wasn't his original plan. You know, when sin came into the world, as we know, it brought brokenness. It brought pain. People have their own free will and things happen. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that when painful things happen, that he is still there. You know, because you hear people say, well, where was God when this happened? And where Mm -hmm. was he when this happened? And I think that's I think that's when we have to go to, like you said, when we don't feel that, when we don't see it, we have to go to what we know to be true about God, even though it doesn't feel true about him in the moment. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Even this week, I feel like God reeled me back in again on a couple things because it. I've learned to question, and it's really cool, like mm-hmm. learning, but realizing that I can trust him again, like over and over being reminded that he is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. This is what I, I love to like, teach and talk about is God's character is trustworthy. And when we filter everything through that, we might not get the answers yet, Mm -hmm. but we can rest and know that no matter what the answer is, it aligns with his character, which I don't want to, like, again, I don't want to just slap this on there, but his character is good. So if it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good, just wait it out. Let's, you know, sit in it a little bit longer, or maybe take a break from it. But you can trust his character. Yeah. And I know for you, because we've talked about your story, and you just shared 
um, recently in one of our episodes, just some really, if I could put it, raw footage, basically, about where you were um, regarding church and the fact that you are having a really hard time trusting. I think that we we have um, a hard time. Well, let me back up and say it this way. I believe that too many times, and understandably so because we're human, we allow the things that have happened to us from other people where the distrust is created, whether it's been in a major thing or a minor thing, whether it's been in a betrayal or somebody's dealt with abuse or whatever, when that trust gets broken, because we are so human and tangible people, it is hard for us to envision a complete and trustworthy God when the people around us have broken our trust. Yeah, we do uh, project onto God a lot of times, and that's what we have to spend a lot of time healing is what am I projecting onto God that is not his from authority figures or people around us that have mm-hmm. um, messed up. Yeah. I love this part that says um, in verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to do something that I, that I didn't say anything about before, but um, if you've got your CSB Mm -hmm. with you, I would love to hear um, you read verses 11 and 12 in the CSB. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You know, um, I've heard this illustration before. I've seen it. But when, when I think about that, I think about um, maybe hanging a a blackout curtain across a window that the light is shining through. Um, And then you realize somewhere in the middle of this black curtain, there's a tiny pinhole. (laughs) And even this little tiny pinhole, there is light shining through it. I think sometimes life feels that way. It feels like there's been a blackout curtain hung on the window of life and we feel like we are in the dark. And then there's just this tiny light that breaks Mm. through that tiny hole just to remind us that there's hope. You, You are not alone. There is hope. You are not in the dark by yourself. And so when you say shines as bright as the day, mm-hmm. to me, that's that passage just reminds me that even in the darkest times, he is still there with us. Right. 
He's still there with us. He's still speaking over our lives. He's, you know. Can I ask you the same question, I guess? What what makes this passage so comforting to you in the darkness, in the specific situation where you struggled to pick up your Bible and couldn't because you were angry with God, you were angry with the situation, but you could find comfort here. I don't know that it's anything more profound than anybody else who loves the Psalms would say, but um, yeah, it was in a season where there had been betrayal um, from some people that we had, you know, ministered with and just, or two, and just a lot of things were coming down at once. And I was in a, a season of depression. I, I know that you know this, but I haven't shared necessarily with everybody. I don't think that, you know, that I have dealt with depression on and off most of my life. Didn't realize it till later that that's what I was dealing with because, you know, you just, if you're spiritual enough, Mm. you don't deal Mm. with depression, right? Mm. And of course I'm being sarcastic about that because I don't believe that for one minute, but um, I think for me, because the, because David and the other psalmists where there weren't like a ton of other psalmists, but I think the fact that um, David in his writing is so just transparent and raw. And this is how I'm honestly feeling. Um, drew me in. And as I just read this passage over and over and over, over, I think it finally began to sink in that Mm -hmm. I'm completely known by the father. I'm completely surrounded by the father, you know, and then when we get into that next section, I am uniquely created by the father, you know? Right. So I think it was just his transparency the fact that he was just raw and honest and um, and he was a man after God's own heart. <laughs> so I'm like, if David can be that candid with God and God um, divinely inspired the book of Psalms uh, and, and it made the cut, so to speak, to be in in the Bible, in the collective books of the Bible, then there's a pretty good chance that I can be that candid and honest with God in a dark season. And um, he's not going anywhere. And I will tell you that while I was going through that season where this book, this passage became so important to me, um, you know, we were on staff at a church. And so when you are supposed to be ministering to other people and you're walking through a really dark place, um, where else do you go? I have nowhere else to go but the Father. Right. So. 
I hope that answers your question. I think it does. I feel like I jumped maybe from your question like into the next section where like verse 14 stands out to me that I have my CSB open now, but yeah, it's just, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. And that last part, your works are wondrous. And I know this very well. Like I know, I know. Yeah, you're you're amazing. And I still stand in awe of that. And it's mm. just that transition out like this is dark, this is hard, but I know very well. Yeah. That's good. And I love um you know because the the um ESV and I'm not really sure but I think even the King James version says fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the CSB says that I am remarkably made. Mm-hmm. You know, that word just, oh my goodness, that's remarkable. That's incredible. That's um, that's just a beautiful picture to me of what God did. And then when it, when it talks about... Um, this words in verse 13 and in 15 words like you knitted me together. You know, mm-hmm. I was intricately woven yeah. in, in the depths of the earth. Um, and your eyes saw my unformed substance. I know that these verses get used for a lot of things, which um, to stress, um, the importance of life. And, and I 100% believe that, but I also believe that right here, it just reminds us that he's known us from the time that we were just conceived. I mean, he knew us before that, but just he's known us that long. That just blows my mind. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have anything to comment on that. It's just crazy. Like at the beginning we said, uh, what was that? Too wonderful for me. Just, yeah. yeah. Blows my mind. But when you read that part that my soul knows it very well, um, Again, we have that intimate knowledge, the word no known, the yauda mm, is yeah. the most. So not only does God know me very well, but what David is saying, he's saying my soul, like down deep in my soul, even when I may not act like it, even when I don't really see what's going on, even when I get angry at people down in verse 19 through 22. My, my soul knows that your works are wondrous. I love that. Mm. You know, I really hope that this, that this passage is encouraging our listeners as much as it's encouraging me just to be able to sit here and talk through it with you. Right. I love that this fact 
that not only does God know us, but somehow the almighty God creator who spoke everything into existence makes himself knowable. Mm. He allows us to know him. Like, I don't, I don't understand. We don't, he could just rule with an iron fist. I mean, he doesn't have any obligation to lead the way that he does with love mm-hmm. and grace and kindness and yeah, he could, relationship. He okay. could have acted like he could have acted like um, a lot of people in in your background and my background and ruled <laughs> with yeah. an iron fist and exactly. You know, <laughs> right. But we won't and, get into that tonight. <laughs> Maybe we should. I don't know. Just that he wants relationship with us. I I don't. Yeah. I can't fathom it. Yeah. I love it. And then it says, um, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. <laughs> like you hear people say. Well, when it's your time, it's your time. Um, And they may be saying that off the cuff, but the Lord knows. We don't necessarily know. Um, And I think that passage right there, and I'm just going to kind of get serious here for a second. Um, You know, I shared recently just kind of a timeline of everything that's happened in the last three years. But that verse right there was very hard for me to wrap my head around when my father died suddenly in September of 2018. Mm. That God already knew all of dad's days, you know, and yes, my dad was in his eighties when he passed away and people say, well, um, you know, well, he lived a, a long life and, and yes, I'm, I'm aware of that, <laughs> but I'm human and I missed him. And, you know, mm-hmm. and when I read, sure. read, and I still miss him, but when I read this passage and David is telling God, you know, my days were formed for me before I was even born. Mm-hmm. Um. I really had to just read that and understand because I went through a lot of what if, what if we, what if we had been in town or what if 911 had been called sooner or what if, and got into that cycle. And I think we do that for a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're human, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that experience Every time I, I read that um, particular verse now of having my dad passed away in 2018, um, that's what comes to mind for me there. And so now here I am two and a half years out, and now that brings me comfort. Mm. At the time, it was difficult to read, but now it brings me comfort. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it does. That's really yeah. kind of God to walk you through that. Say, you know, it was hard. It was really hard. 
and then to be able to find comfort in, no, God, you knew. I don't have to Mm -hmm. wonder anymore. Yeah. And so for our listeners in, in this passage, I would just hope that whatever your experiences are right now or have been, I just, I just want you to know that, um, he knows you so well and he is there with you and you are surrounded by him and you were uniquely created by him and for him to bring him glory. And you may be in a season right now where you can't even imagine how he's going to use your story because you're still in the thick of it or your Mm -hmm. heart is breaking tonight or you're struggling with a situation or you're making a decision to walk away from a relationship or, or whatever it is that you're walking through. Um, he knows and he's there with you. That's right. And he is a writer of beautiful stories. Mm. And if it does not feel good, and if it does not seem beautiful right now, he's not done writing it. I love the fact that you just said that because I heard that this past year um, in regards to Romans 8.28. You know, we've heard that verse all of our lives. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love <laughs> right. God, to those that are called. But it was almost like a, um, it's only going to work out good. If you do A, B, C, and D. Mm, yeah, sure. You know, um, and and there's probably some truth to that because there are a lot of things in scripture where a promise is a promise or a blessing is conditional. And then there are some that are that are not conditional. Right. But um, I heard that said this past year, all things, he is working all things toward his good. And that if it's not there yet, he's not done writing that story. So I I love the fact that you shared that because I'm sure that we've got listeners that are, they're not in a good place. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like they're in a good place. Right. And we're not, we're not saying, well, just grit your teeth because it's going to be good. I mean, it's hard, whatever you might be walking through, you don't have to just go, well, on the other side, it's going to be great. Like, I love that you shared uh, the story about your dad, how it was, it did not feel good Mm-mm. at the time. And that verse was troubling. And we can sit in that. We can lament and grieve. We don't have to try to push past to get to the other side where it is nice and feels better and relieving. God will walk through the hard with us. Yeah. But I love when you get to verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Would you read that in your CSB? Mm Mm-hmm. 
God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Yeah. So I live near the beach. And I imagine going down to the beach, which I have done, and looking at the sand. And it's massive. You know, and this is just one beach. <laughs> this is yeah. not talking about all the sand that's in the depths of the ocean and the Gulf and all of the other oceans and all of the other beaches and all this. And David is literally saying that God's thoughts about us, he's saying, your thoughts about me, God, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. Hmm. You know, it's like also in in, in Zephaniah um, chapter three, I think, in talking about he is, uh, it's the song, he is singing over you. He's rejoicing over you. Here's another reminder that God is thinking <laughs> and, and David saying, your thoughts about me are so precious. Like I cherish them and there's so many of them, you know. And here's the crazy thing. If you, I'm sure that there's a historian out there that knows exactly what time this was. But if you think about where David was living, um, like nothing else was even discovered. He had no idea how many sands of the seas there were going to be and how many oceans. He just knew, he just knew his spot. Right. (laughs) So that's so true. Yeah. You know, I heard a story once about um, a songwriter and I can't remember the songwriter's name, but the songwriter was going through a really, really difficult time and just really struggling, just dealing with a, a, a serious time of depression and it's a Christian songwriter, singer songwriter. And his wife came into his office studio and she just dropped a little baggie of sand on his desk. And with it just had the tag Psalm 139.17. Hmm. So he looked it up, <laughs> he read it, gets his finger wet. And sticks it in the bag of sand. And then just the, the end of his finger, he meticulously knocks the sand off onto the desk in front of him. And then just slowly separates them and counts every grain of sand. Whoa. Just from the tip of the finger. Just from the yeah. edge of the finger. And just from the edge of the finger, he counted 89 grains of sand. Wow. Now put that in, that puts it into perspective when David says, how precious to me are your thoughts. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. We're talking about a fingertip of sand. 89 times God thinks about us. Now, obviously he thinks about us a lot more than that. But in our human minds, that puts it into perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And we need to be reminded of that. 
we needed to be we need to be reminded that he is thinking about us that we're cherished by him mhm right and then after david says this he goes into his little fit against against God's enemies. Like, yes. God, you're so amazing. How could anybody hate you? And by the way, if they hate you, I hate them too. Like, I'm on your side. I'm team yes. you. <laughs> yes. I'm team you. And he's like, slay them. Slay the wicked. You know, I hate them. Your enemies take your, and I loathe those who rise, who rise up against you. That's a lot of hate. It sure is. Aren't you glad that God does not answer all of our prayers? Yes. There was a country song a long time ago. And it it was, and I can't remember who sang it. I don't know if it was Garth Brooks or who. I'm sure that Nathan and Brian could probably tell me um, who the country writer was. But thank God for unanswered prayers. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah seriously and then he says like i hate them with complete hatred hatred i count them my enemies and then he ends the passage the way he started basically mm-hmm. he starts it you have searched me and you know me and then he ends the passage with okay search me again <laughs> And know my heart. Know, again, is that very intimate knowledge. Try me and know my thoughts. I would love to hear 23 and 24 from the CSB. Mm. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. That's good. You know, I think a lot of times, Emily, we don't, we don't do verse 23 and 24 enough. And I'm not being judgmental about it. I'm just saying we, at some times, we, we don't ask God to really search our heart and to, um, Not only we know that he knows us in a way that nobody else does, but then for him to search us and reveal to us things that are in our heart that we need to take care of, that we need to confess, that we need to clean out, that we need to um, release. Those are tough things to do. Um, but it's necessary. Yes, Mm -hmm. we have God's grace fully, fully. We have God's grace and I'm so glad for that, but we're still human. It's not going to make him love me anymore if I'm confessing these things, but it is going to clear out my heart It is going to give more room for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and for me to continue to allow growth in my life. Yeah. 
So David starts out, you searched me, you know me, and he ends of the passage with, keep searching me, keep knowing me. Let me know when I've screwed up, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. I think we get afraid of what the Holy Spirit or God will do if he knows. Mm -hmm. Like hiding it's easier, but he's kind and he's gentle. Mm -hmm. And when he does call us out on something, it doesn't have to feel like condemnation and a big weight. It can be. No, it can be conviction, but it's not going to be condemnation. No. It's because he's be, already made a way for escape through the cross. Right. right? And it's, yeah, it, we can let him in on that and let him point it out and clean it out, like you yeah. said. He's already there. He already knows. Mm-hmm. But he also gives us uh, free will. And when we feel the prompting from the Holy Spirit that, oh, you probably shouldn't have said that that way. Or, you know, this area, let's work on this. It's Mm -hmm. never a condemning. It is conviction, cleaning, comfort, Mm -hmm. the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And I fully believe that God never stops speaking to us, ever. No. But we can, like you said, we can let things inhibit our ability to hear him. And when we open ourselves back up and say, search me, know me, Mm -hmm. we can hear it again. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, Interesting that you say that, that God never stops speaking to us. So let's break that out a second. You and I, neither one of us are talking about new revelation when Mm -mm. we, when we talk about God speaking to us, because God speaks to us through his word, through prayer, you know, through circumstances, through other believers, he does speak to us, but I have heard some of uh, my spiritual mentors from a distance, you know, that I, that I don't have a next door neighbor relationship with, but those that I have done their Bible studies and all of this, that when they share, you know, God just shared with me or God told me, da, 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 they are ridiculed and they are called false teachers. And there's a very fine line there. Um, about that. And these women that I'm talking about and these men that I'm talking about, they are solid. They are grounded in the word and they are allowing themselves to be heard or to hear the Holy Spirit's prompting in their lives speaking. You know, mm-hmm. they're not sitting here saying God audibly gave me a new set of commandments or God gave me. No, they're they're following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest, I, I could get hot about it. I am so sick and tired of hearing on Twitter, on Instagram, on whatever social media. I am so tired of hearing people who love God, who love Jesus, who believe in the 
death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, who believe in all of these core doctrines for salvation and grace by faith, get ridiculed because they say, you know, God spoke to me and I just feel like I need to share this with you guys today. Or God told me to do this. Right. God told me to do this specific thing. And that can be, I mean, it's been misused in my life where somebody's, you know, misused God's word. But that does not mean that we need to downplay that God speaks to me personally. Like God, I 100% believe God tells me, text so-and-so. Like, yes, sir. I have no idea why. I'll say, hey, hey, so-and-so, how are you today? Right. Right. It's the Holy Spirit's prompting. Yeah. And I am done ignoring it. And where you get hot about these kind of people being bashed, I get grieved by the people who are sitting by going, oh, yeah, I guess I, I can't hear God's voice or like downplaying that in their life. Oh, please press in and ask him to speak to you. Say, what right. do you want I me mean, to do next? <laughs> yeah. When the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit um, hovering above the waters in creation. The Holy Spirit is there the whole time. But, um, you know, the Holy Spirit came and was always there, but came and stepped away, so to speak, if I could put it in that type of terminology in the Old Testament. But when the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit came and empowered Jesus in his ministry and the resurrection, and then Jesus says, I'm sending you, it is good for me to go away because I'm sending you the comforter and he is not going to speak outside of what God, the father says, or God, the son. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I am sending him to you until the, um, until Paul finishes writing all of his books of the new Testament. And then after, you know, and then after that, you know, Mm. yeah. It's not just for that time in the church. I am sending the Holy Spirit to you. When we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart and forgive us of our sin, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives within us. And he is the one who continues the sanctification of our um, growth in Christ. The Holy Spirit is there he will not leave us. He cannot leave us <laughs> because it's not God's nature for God, the Holy Spirit to leave us. It's not in his nature. It's not going to happen. Right. And I guess I get really, really frustrated because there are people to me that want to take the Holy Spirit, put him back in a box. And it's almost like the yes. veil was never torn in two. And the Holy Spirit was never sent by Jesus after his ascension, that that room with approximately 120 people in it that, you know, never had wind and fire come through it. Like in our church right now, we're, we're doing a, 
uh, a study through wind and fire. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you think that the Holy Spirit only spoke in the New Testament and that he does not continue to prompt people today, I don't know how you're walking out your faith. These people are not false teachers who are saying the Holy Spirit led me to do something. Mm-mm. And yes, I know that we're talking about the Holy Spirit and we started out with Psalm 139, but where in the world do you think the Holy Spirit was during this time? If you look back in Psalm 139 and you go to verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go into death or hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell across the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me. (laughs) The Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. If you believe in the Trinity, if you believe in the Godhead and you believe that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are active and working even today, then you cannot say that um, somebody doesn't know what they're talking about if they say, the Holy Spirit shared with me, the Holy Spirit told me, I need to text this person. The Holy, like you said earlier, the Holy Spirit um, told me to come talk to you. I don't even know you, but I felt led. And then you pray with that person. And then they open up and say something like, thank you for coming and and praying with me. Um, I'm getting ready to get on a plane and, and, uh, you know, my, my mother is in the hospital and they don't know that she's going to make it till I get there. Like those kinds of instances, mm-hmm. those are not coincidences. And somebody's not being wacky like, ooh, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. You know, <laughs> I don't, oh, I, yeah. I just could, I could just preach for forever on that. I mean, but. And, and we've talked about doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Yes. I guess I need to save it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do you know the song that goes with Psalm 139? There are the a few. I don't know. If I rise on wings of a dove, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Mm. That one. That just yeah. keeps playing over and over my head all day. I today. love that. I, love I don't that even remember who sings it. I haven't looked it up today. I I don't know. There's a new song at our church that actually... Um, one of our worship leaders and his wife wrote. Mm, fun. And it's called Spirit Speak. Mm. Spirit Speak, we are listening. We are longing for your word. 
Like the sun overtakes the night, let your voice overtake this heart. Spirit speak. Mm. I think that's a good place to land. I do too. And you know what? It ties right into Psalm 139. It does. I think we should link that. Do they have that song on, on YouTube or something? Yeah. So the song Spirit Speak, it's actually um, everywhere that you can download music. Well, I'll, Amazon. I'll link to that. Oh, you know, speaking of music, Emily, Spirit Speak is in my playlist on our website. Oh, there we go. Yes. Okay. So just as we as we wrap this up, I believe that Psalm 139, as it tells us that we're known, we're surrounded, we're uniquely created, and we're cherished by him. Because mm-hmm. we stand in the knowledge and understanding of that, then... You know, we just talked about unity last week. And in order to show unity, we have to show love. We have to know who we are in Christ so that we can share with others. But as we know these things about God, then we should be practicing them to others. So when we know who we are in Christ and we know how much we're loved, cherished, surrounded, then we can love others because we're loved. We can cherish others because we are cherished. We can show mercy to others because mercy has been shown to us. We can give grace to others because we have been given grace. We can forgive others which is tough for me sometimes, Mm. but we can forgive others because we have been forgiven and we can value others because we have been valued and are valued by our heavenly father. Thank you. That's what it all, that's what it's all about. Yes. So you can take that, take Psalm 139, read it over, listen over, and walk in it because it is truth that is relevant for us today, even though it was written by the psalmist David thousands of years ago. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP you can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.